Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Each month, over 80,000 people download podcasts produced from the fevered mind of Royfield Brown. They cover a gamut of topics, like maps, politics, American presidents, history, the archers, Formula One, Jamaican culture, and Englishness. Go to wherever you get your podcast and type in Royfield Brown to discover a new favorite podcast today. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. This is Dumpty Dum, sponsored by managers. Dumpty 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 dum, dumpty dumpty dum, dumpty 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 dum, dumpty diddly dum, dumpty diddly dumpty diddly dumpty diddly dum, dumpty 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 dum, dumpty diddly dum. This week's Dumpty Dum is from Joanne Smith, and the podcast is sponsored by Lonnie J. Behar. This is Dumpty Dum, the show about the reality darky drama that is centred on Ambridge in the heart of the Midlands. I'm the reluctant board game king, who is Royfield Brown, and I'm here today with the undisciplined grandchild who is... Jacqueline Berthaud in Sanguin in Brittany, France. Now, on this episode, we have a modicum of callerinners. We hear from Ron via WhatsApp, who was surprised by Jenny going. He thought it would be Peggy. Andrea from fabulously beautiful Central Brittany, who thinks Jenny's departure is going well. Carolyn, who has sent us a very touching poem. Cranky Yankee, who is touched by the current storylines. Jen, our Ambridge Pony Club, who feels vindicated. And lovely Christopher, who loves it when characters die in the archers. <laughs> you know what? Seeing that written in print like that, does sound a little bit harsh, but he does actually explain the reasons why he does say that. Plus, folks, we have Tweet of the Week from our purple pumpkin, Theo, and we have a social media roundup from our Suey, the Queen Autart. Now, don't forget, you can search for Dumpty Dum on YouTube. You can see us in glorious Technicolor, not just in your lug holes in your ears. So if you want to see hours of interviews actually done with the actors of the Archers, go over to YouTube, type in Dumpty Dum, and you'll find Dumpty Dum on YouTube. 
And of course, we should be wishing a very warm welcome to the 11 lovely new members of our Facebook group. Gosh, they are a flooding in at the moment, are they? Now, we do need your dum-de-dums. So we need a kind of a vault of tunes that we can play out in the future. But so deep is our vault, Madame Berto, that this week's dum-de-dum is actually like months old. And we've got so many of the bleeders, but that doesn't mean that we don't want you to send them in. So just because we're having somewhat of a feast at the moment, we know there will be a famine. So keep them a-coming. Right, now, all you need to do, hum the tune, play it on a piano, on your tin whistle, anything, and we will play it out. But first, before we do anything else, let's have a look at the week in Ambridge from our suey queen or tart. Hello, lovely people. It's suey here, queen or tart on the Twitters, with another week in Ambridge. And what a week we've had again. This week was brought to you by the having to be giving a good talking to. Rory was back at being a spoiled brat on Sunday, refusing to read what Jennifer had written about him and generally being rude to everyone. Lillian was having histronics at every opportunity and no one could appease her. Tony and Pat tried to explain about Jennifer's sharing with them, but she was having none of it. She had to hold Jennifer's hand in the ambulance without knowing she was ill. I would like to hope that she would have done it regardless. Adam talked her down off the window ledge, then Linda attempted to talk some more sense into her, but she got aggrieved all over again when Justin announced that James, Leone and Mungo were coming for the weekend. Susan was responsible for putting that idea into Justin's head, and we discovered that Justin has rearranged the shop to get all of the essentials into the back, so customers have to search them out. Susan is unimpressed. I think many of us would be. Pat agreed to babysit Jack and Henry on Valentine's night, And then Tony agreed to babysit the twins as well. You could not pay me to be in their vicinity that night. We found out that Linda is going to take over the village website. So that's one thing to take off the worry list. Back at the Aldridge's, and there are more dramas leading to Brian agreeing they should play a board game. Seemed very odd. It turned out they were going to do Cluedo. Jenny's notes were still all over the detective pads, which was very touching. Rory had another strop negating Brian's view that Jennifer loved bringing him up and he told Brian that neither of them deserved Jennifer. He stopped off to London. Freddie harassed Chelsea in the orange roof with a tray of crockery, which ended up being dropped. It is clear that he is rudderless and needs an actual role to do. He was ambivalent, but Chelsea told him to sort himself out. There was definitely a theme this week. Sausage boy Tom made a hash of planting in the forest garden, and that had to be sorted out as well. Natasha and Tom have been approached to get the twins a portfolio arranged, and then they can have an amazing modelling career. They seem pretty keen. Oh, don't put your daughters on the stage, Mrs Worthington Archer. Please don't put your daughters on the stage. They will consider getting portfolios done as cash registers are ringing in their ears. Harrison called for help from Adam as Brian was mooching round outside Home Farm. I don't think he was dreaming of the kitchen and the multi-temperature water tap. Adam talked him down. Fortunately, the girls were understanding rather than getting him arrested for trespass. Lillian Gate crashed Linda's hair appointment with Chelsea and ended up talking about Jenny Darling at Fabrice's Salon. There was much soothing of feathers and tears were shed. We rounded off the week with Rory going with Julianne to an event where he got drunk and needed a good talking to. Julianne sacked him to begin with, but then relented a little. He is to take some time out, get his head straight, and then they will see. If she does sack him, it has been confirmed 
Rory will have to give up the flat, which she is paying for. Lillian had to hide from the family with Justin. Mungo sounds like a holy terror. Justin and Mungo played at Centurions with the Sunday Supplement. Seren and Nova are on the Bridgefesh website. And Tony and Pat voiced their concerns over the plan to splash their photos all over. We can only hope they live to rule the day. Until next week then, my lovelies. I hope it's a good one. Oh, me too. And the way things have been going <sighs> in our music at the moment, it will be a belter. Thick and fast, thick and fast. There's so much stuff going on. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know where to start with the whole Rory thing, but I love the fact that it's just confusing emotionally, plot-wise, the strands and whatever. It's just wonderful. And and really, I think all of the kind of facets of grief and the coping with grief, we've seen them being played out by the various different characters yeah. of the Aldridge Ford slash Archer's cat clan. And it's just so brilliantly done. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have put it better myself, Roy. Everybody handles grief differently. The Rory thing. I've always hated the story with Rory and Julianne. I don't mm. see how it can work. In my brain, my slightly illogical, maybe my, but my brain doesn't accept that a woman, a career woman in her late forties, early fifties, whatever age Julianne is, could be seen at corporate events with a kid of 20. It's, I mean, I've got a daughter of 20. Um, her boyfriend, who's a year older than her, I wouldn't take him anywhere. And that's not anything against him. It's just that he's not mature. They're not mature. They don't know. They can't network. So I've never, it's never worked for me in my head to the whole Julianne Rory thing. Well, it's all coming on done. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was broad Yorkshire, that was. Uh, right, right, Lincolnshire, that. We've said it on numerous occasions that it just makes no sense. I get the fact that you've got physical needs, okay, and you've got a very busy life, so you can only fit in the rumpy pumpy, the how's your father, the slap and tickle at certain times. It's transactional. I've never done it. However, I understand it. I also understand escorting. And as you said, this makes no sense. Unless she wants a naked display of power that I am older than this person and more powerful and they are literally my toy boy. But even then, you wouldn't take them to, to an event of this importance, Should of be this a sophistication. But we, but we have talked about this before. Maybe she just doesn't really care. But either which way, but it's one thing to have a bimbo on your arm. It's another thing completely if you say to that bimbo, you need to intellectually and conversationally support me. That's where I don't understand it. So if it's a case of just look pretty, fine. Rory can just look pretty. If it's a case of, but you need to go and converse with the right people, say the right things, you need to talk about skiing, you talk about a great play that you've just attended, et cetera, et cetera. Rory's not going to be that dude because he's too young. Absolutely. Up. Yeah. No, he's not. It's not working for me. The whole storyline's not working for me, or apparently it doesn't sound like it's working for Julianne either. No. Because he, mm. he's created a few uh, character flaws in himself, hasn't he? But as you said, mm. go back to the whole 
Aldridge, the whole story around the Aldridges, around Lillian, Tony, their grief, and everybody grieves differently. I've been very irritated on social media. In fact, I gave up social media for a few days this week because my social media is about the archers. And Mm. people were slagging them off all the time for their way of grieving. Everybody grieves in a different manner. I think it's been portrayed extremely well. One of the first ways of grieving is to allow yourself to feel because grief is normal and it's a, a natural reaction to loss. And we need to acknowledge your feelings and to give yourself permission to express them. That's Lillian. And even though through her grief, She is trying to make sense out of her sister dying suddenly, but also the fact that her two other siblings kept the secret of her illness away from her. But everything she's expressing is incredibly normal and natural. Yeah, absolutely. Adam. Adam is taking care of himself and he's going about his daily routine because that is essential to healing. And also, if you have a family, if you have small ones dependence you can't allow yourself the luxury of letting it all hang out so adam is still working and he's he's taking care of himself and he's also taking care of other people he's checking in Mm -hmm. on people he's checking in on brian he's checking in on the family i actually i don't i i've found adam's one of those characters i'm not very sure about in general i can't say i don't Mm. like him but He's one of those things, it doesn't appeal to me, and I don't know why, but he just doesn't. But this week, I found him a very sympathetic, empathetic person in the way in which he's, apart from he's a bit wooden about stuff, but that's maybe the, the style, <laughs> but he's actually checking in on people. He is. But at his core, Adam is the take care of yourself. Brian's trying to find meaning and to find ways to honour the memory of his loved one. And one of the classic ways of that is to create some level of a memorial. So that was him going to Home Farm. And actually, even though he looked at the bricks and mortar, even he says at the end, Jenny's not here. These are just memories. But he had to go to that place. He did. To help him to find meaning and a connection. And he realized that, yes, his place was important to Jenny, but she was more than just that. And actually, they had moved on. Yeah, except it was a bit weird. I did, it was very and that that's whole scene with Brian and Adam going to collect him and what's his name Harrison getting Harrison. all Harrison. Yeah, mm. getting all the gills. We've never heard from them. Raised more questions than anything else about their position in society in the Ambridge society. They've got this giant. But so Ambridge is a village. Yeah. And let's say there are 500 people that live in the village. Just if it like supports a village shop. Yeah. Is, if it supports a church, a pub, and a shop, there's a good few hundred people that live there. Yeah. Okay. The gills would know who Brian is. Absolutely. And the gills would also know that the previous owner had just deceased. It's a village yeah. they live in. Yeah. So they would not have actually called the police. Nah. They wouldn't have. No. Because they would have completely understood what was going on. Yeah. We've never known that, about the gills. They've never spoken. They've never... It was all one of those big mysteries, isn't it, that they just... Jennifer lost the house and they moved into that horrible cottage and... Uh, yeah. The gills were silent. Mm. So at least we almost got there. We almost got to hear from them this week. Well, I don't think I even want to know about them anymore. <laughs> 
But um, anymore, anymore. That's the point. Anymore. <laughs> and then the last kind of way of grieving is self-compassion. Right. So being gentle and understanding with yourself and not beating yourself up. And that's Tony. That's to- Pat and Tony are doing the self-compassion thing. And they and they understand that they had the, this secret and they know and they understand Lillian's anger, but they're refusing to to beat themselves up, to drag themselves o- over the coals. Yeah. And that is a very, also a very important way of the whole kind of grieving process. And that is one of the reasons why we've been served up with something which is so good, because these five different key ways of grieving, they've played it out through the various different characters. Now, I'll tell you the only thing that, that they haven't done yet, though with the whole kind of spiritual, religious community support, Lillian, Justin did that for Lillian by getting Mongo et al to come up but anyway that was a slight aside but you know what madame we should have a little bit of linda snell answering the phone and then we should dive into some calls absolutely hello average three nine six two First off, it's a first-time caller in I think we can safely say that Ron is a first-time caller in can't we? Yeah, we can. Uh, madame. Yes, we can. It was we via can. Because you've got it. And it was via WhatsApp. You got it so wrong last week. And this caller called in <sighs> numerous times. And you're like, oh, first-time caller in oh, Saying that they needed to. Feel. Get a grip. <laughs> you made a mistake. Accept it. <laughs> <laughs> I dispute. <laughs> As to who made the mistake, I'm sure it was you. Anyway, Ron, and now's your time. Hello, Dumpty uh, Dummers. It's uh, Ron here from East Ham, London, of course. And yes, I do listen to the Archers. Have been doing so since around about 1970, probably the beginning of January that year, when um, Jennifer's son Adam was kidnapped. Can't remember why he was kidnapped, but nevertheless, I started listening from then. Onwards. And yeah, Jennifer Aldridge or Jennifer Macy, yeah, was, was a good character. And obviously, my memory's got back a heck of a long way. It's a shame to see her go. Um, I believe that from hearing this podcast in real life, she may not be that well. So, as I say, a great podcast. And I actually did think when I was listening to the Sunday night episode of last week, before the, the, all this blew up, you know, you, you could tell something was about to happen. And I actually expected or thought it could have or might have been Peggy that may have gone because obviously, you know, she's she's getting on a bit in the series. And in reality, um, you know, as I say, so anyway, great change to see her go. And um yeah, I do remember the stories, and, and I think some of the episodes are available on um, YouTube. I think the person that runs it is called Tom Archer. If that's his real name or not, I don't know. But there's loads of loads of episodes on YouTube. And, of course, various other platforms. Um, Audible, you can get their episodes. Not all of them, but the best of. So they're worth listening to. Anyway, I'll say cheerio for now and um, are continuing to listen to the podcast. Bye for now. 
Goodness, Ron, that wasn't the clearest of calls, but that wasn't Ron's fault. That was technology, I believe. But in between that old-fashioned sounding phone call, what do you reckon to Ron, to what our Ron said? Do you know, but the kidnapping of Adam, I didn't remember that at all. Do you, obviously it was before your time. I think it was almost before my time as well no i know the kidnapping was most definitely a thing for no other reason than when i've gone back and actually done my research that it's always cited as he was very small and he he was kidnapped cannot remember who and why and what and whatever but yes for for me adam only became a character in the mid-noughts when he came back from traveling Yeah, I wasn't actually listening then because I was travelling myself. I wasn't a regular listener. and But once I got back onto firm ground around about 2010, I definitely Mm. remember finding out about Adam, the whole Adam-Ian storyline. But anything before Mm. then, I don't remember a story with Adam in it. I do not remember Adam being a character in the late 80s, the mid to late 80s when I started listening, or in the 90s. That, the 90s always seemed to be about Kate. Yeah. And you're going to Glastonbury and just the being, baby being you know, born in a year. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, what else did, did our Ron say? He was surprised by Jenny going because he thought the build-up was that... Um, it was Peggy. Yeah, and yeah, I agree. And I don't think Peggy will be far behind. I said We said this last week, but also yeah, increasingly this week, I've thought a lot about Brian and his, his fragileness. So. Yeah, there is something deeply sad about a parent who has to see off one of their children. We know that... June Spencer has retired, but it does feel odd that she hasn't said a word. Yeah, it, yeah, I agree. It does feel very odd. But also, you know who I'm missing? This will be a great surprise. Shula, because Shula would have been, she is a cousin of Brian mm. and would have in the past been one of those people, obviously with her Christianity, her spiritual guidance head on, She'd have been there giving comfort to Brian in however, whatever her fashion is of doing that. But And mm. I'm missing her in this story. It seems weird that she's not around doing her thing. You, you know what? You're spot on. And I know they've made reference to Peggy. Oh, I just had a word with mum. Yeah. But you know what? There should be much more. There should be much more. Yeah. It's unfortunate you know, it's the timing of the, in real life. No, but just make reference even. Yeah. To your point, they could make more reference to Shula. Oh, Shula's just been on the phone. Or, She's just heard. Yeah. Or Alan, the vicar. Mm. I'm guessing, because the Alan thing is just so obvious, the Peggy thing is obvious, and you make an excellent point about Shula because I hadn't thought about Shula. I'm guessing that maybe when the funeral actually happens, then there'll be more of Alan. And then we'll have a second going over of Jennifer's life and it'll be another tribute. But come on, literally every other breath should have been, how's mum doing? How's Peggy doing? Yeah. Peggy's, she's beside herself. She's distraught. She she couldn't sleep last night, so... Yeah, she was Tony down in the kitchen. To... No, and she's down in the kitchen at Tony's making a cup of tea at four exactly. o'clock. And so that disturbed exactly. Tony. He was down there sitting, drinking tea and bis- eating biscuits with her at four o'clock in the morning. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Now, oh, 
We're going to go to one of your faves. Oh, no, not one of your faves. Your fave. It's a Christopher. Chris- Hello, everybody. It's Christopher here. Do you know, I really love it when characters die in the archers. It's very useful if you're like me and you're relatively new. It really helps lend depth to to those characters. I've never had a very close relationship to Jennifer. I felt that since I've come into it, I feel most of her story arc was behind her. So the people that have listened to it longer seem to have had that closer relationship to her. Since I've been listening, the only really big thing that happened was the house, was the loss of the house that obviously caused her a lot of upset. But I haven't had that closeness. But since she's died, combination of the programme itself, people looking back, and also people undumpted, has really lent an extra sense of depth. When people speak about what she was like in the past and as a young woman and what she's gone through, it does help create the sense of it being a, a living, breathing person. It's really useful. Obviously, there is the extra sense of poignancy because it sounds very much like the, the actor that's playing or had played Jennifer is not doing very well. So that lends an extra sense of pathos and sadness, I suppose. I have found this last couple of weeks very useful as a listener. So that's my thoughts on the matter. Cheerio. Hello, I'm just sending in a cheeky second message. I just felt I should chime in on the scone discussion, for it is a scone. Personally, I wouldn't let cream anywhere near a scone. (laughs) It, It sounds hideously decadent. What a warmed scone with butter and jam. That's it. Sorry, Christopher, you've gone down in my estimations. You need the cream to cut the sweetness of the jam. It needs to something to get rid of all that sweetness. I'm not actually one for cream normally. I'm yeah, not, but you'd like, you'd like to make an argument out of a bit of cream, Royfield Brown. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. But a bit of cream on a scone or a scone. Right. Scone, 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 scone. You, you just do it, don't you? I think you, do you feel short-changed if you have a bit of butter. Yeah. That's short-changing things. Yeah, it is. Mm. Let's ignore the scone question because we'll start a, a scone, scone question, question because it'll start a whole new debate. But Christopher, that's very, and a very interesting point of view, saying that someone dying, you get more of the backstory because it's true. We mm. long-term listeners, you know, I didn't know about Adams being kidnapping, ki- being kidnapped. Gosh, where's my English gone? Mm. But if you didn't know anything other than Jenny in the last few years, you wouldn't know about all the angst, the raciness, the bringing up of the children. You would only know about losing the house and moving in and not having enough place to cupboards to put your tagines. And I, so mm. I understand completely where Christopher's coming from where with actually being pleased that a major character has died to fill in all the gaps about her. Not that is a very good way of putting it, but I do understand what he's saying. Very good call, Christopher. Yeah, listen, absolutely. My only criticism would be is that they laid it too much on the nose with the let's read her journal. And then, and it went through all the very, not all, but some of the key bits of her life. Though, as I said last week, the bit which was totally touching was the first dinner party, which they hosted together. That was beautifully done. I felt quite touched by the revelations about what she felt 
when Rory arrived. That's the also true as this well. Week. Yes, now, oh, no, and no, because we're true. having that in comparison with his angst, his anger, his grief. So that's been very interesting this week. The whole thing about Rory is that everything's incredibly unresolved, yeah. isn't it? He feels, is it a magpie in a cuckoo's nest or the other way around? I can't remember. But yeah. like he feels like he, he shouldn't be He long. doesn't fit. But a lot of this is him feeling that. And it's regardless as to how actually the amount of love he's actually been shown is he has unresolved feelings of belonging. So he's never quite got over his mother dying, even though she died at a very young age. Then he's projected onto Jenny, understandably to a degree, that she must have disliked him. That's a natural thing to do. That's a natural thing to do. Whereas actually she accepted him, brought him into her home, and he was her son. And Rory, and the way I said this before, but the way that Rory's playing this all out is incredibly fascinating. And let's just hope that the character finds some level of peace so he can, there isn't a right way or a wrong way to grieve, right? People express their grief in in various different ways, but also his grief needs to come with a healing as to who he actually is. And his place within the. Here's a cool fact: a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com family but i think rory has to find a place in his life in general he is between two places he's he hasn't really got a place in the family in ambridge he hasn't got a place at university because he's been sucked into this julianne relationship i think in the months years that come we'll see him finding his place and whether it's within ambridge or away from ambridge I want a resolution quickly. I don't want months. I don't want years. I want, it's a soap opera, God damn it. I want two weeks, sh- shape up Rory, two weeks time, all got to be fixed and you're all right and proper. What's wrong with that? God, I'm speechless. <laughs> 
Thank you for that call, Mr. McKitty. Now, the best and the easiest way for you to record a message or a plot prediction is to go to www.speakpipe.com forward slash dum-de-dum, not forgetting the T in the middle. And you'll also find a link in the show notes. Or you can send us a voice note via WhatsApp, as did Ron from East Ham, which is, you can send that to 0044-7957-167-696. And we need all your calls in by 6pm on Sunday UK time. Please keep your call to a maximum of two minutes and please bear in mind that you need to be at least 18 to take part. This is the People's Podcast, so we ask you, the people, to help us out. There are a few things that you can do. First off, if you haven't done so already, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts. Secondly, I'd love a five-star review. And I know Madame Berto adores a five-star review. I do indeed. Uh, That would be hugely appreciated because actually what it does apart from just pandering to our ego (laughs) is it means that we go further up those podcast charts and more people get to hear about the podcast so there is method in our vanity and the third and final thing is that you could consider becoming a Patreon. Now, Patreon is a way of tipping creators like us, and there are different levels with different types of rewards. So if you just go to patreon.com, search for Dumpty Dum, we'll be tickled bink to have your support. Just like... Lonnie J. uh, Behar. (laughs) Yes, who actually did it via PayPal. So you can actually donate to the podcast via PayPal and set up a recurring payment. So actually what we're doing at the moment is actually going through all of our PayPal arinaras and actually thanking them. But Lonnie J. Bihar, you, sir, are a stalwart of our community and we thank you for your monthly contribution. Now, keeping on that side of the Atlantic where Lonnie J. Bihar is, we go to Cranky Yankee. Hello, Dumpy Dumpters. This is the Cranky Yankee calling from the middle of the cold snap. It's cold here, but I've been warmed and touched by all the goings about on Archer Land. I'm reminded about my own personal struggles with sudden deaths and family issues. The writing has been very strong, and I've really enjoyed everyone, and I'm so glad I have a place to come to publicly mourn passing of Jenny. My favorite Jenny memory is her cooking for the post-hunt meal and all the stuff that she made. But I haven't really been listening to the archers. I've only been listening for 15 years, so I'm basically a newbie. But there's all these characters I wonder about still that just disappear. All right, that's it for now. Much love to all. Bye-bye. I love that. I've only been listening for 15 years, so I'm a newbie. Definitely. Mm. She's a newbie. <laughs> she recognizes mm. it. Has um, an American. Doris, a cranky Yankee, sounds American. Is she in America? And how has she managed to be listening for 15 years? How on earth did you find it 15 years ago? I'm very curious to how people fall in with the archers from across you know the what, pond. You Yankee? You're going to have to call in and put things straight for Madame Berto. Yeah, I'm, answer I'm my questions. Guessing, <laughs> I'm guessing, though, that 15 years ago, it was online. I'm guessing that online 
started about 2007. Yeah. That's what I have. 15 years you could have been listening via the website. Yeah, I think I was in a podcast era in about 20, I know in 2010, I started Mm. again listening regularly because I could download it via podcasts on Apple iTunes onto an iPod and uh, take it off with me rather than sitting in front of the radio. Yeah. So, yeah, maybe you're right. But how does an American... Wait on a minute. Because you're in Brittany. Yeah. Can't you just have a massive 30-foot antenna on the top of your cottage and just pick up Radio 4? Not in central Brittany, but on the coast, yes, because it's only 40, 50 miles from Jersey. And 40, 30 or 40 kilometres from here, on the coast, you're there. And sometimes... You're driving along, the radio goes in your car, if you've not got your phone playing something over it. Nowadays, it never happens, but in the olden days, yeah, you'd be driving along, listening to Nostalgie Radio or RTL, and suddenly you've got BBC Radio 4 comes onto the airways. I did have a friend who lives not far from Andrea who used to be able to listen to Radio 4 on the top of the hill as she waited for a child to come out of school. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because she was on, a, on the top of a hill and it managed to pick up long wave. But nah, not really. I know we sound like we're very, we're not very far away, but we're worlds away. I'll tell you, Royfield Brown. It, does it, this might sound really silly, but does it matter if the wind's blown in the right direction? I've no idea. Because <laughs> no you remember like back in the day, Radio Luxembourg, fact, and that always used to fade in and fade out uh, all the time. It did all the time. And I was brought up on the East Coast in Immigum. It's right on the East Coast. And it was atmospheric mm. conditions. We used to get pick up Radio Il from Holland very mm. regularly in the summer. So when it was dry, hot conditions, we got ra- Dutch radio stations coming across our airwaves more than, so maybe it is the wind. Maybe it's the dryness of the air. Maybe it's the wind direction and the dry air. I don't know. I have no idea. It's not very technical, is it? (laughs) But I think you were correct when you said it's atmospheric conditions as opposed to necessarily the wind blown in the right direction. But I just, somewhat nostalgic for the days of Radio Luxembourg. And you'd be listening to a great song and all of a sudden you just like fade out. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) And then you'd like slowly but surely come back again. Anyway, anyway. I I can remember Radio Caroline. Oh, wow. Yeah, listening on little a little red transistor with things not very different from earbuds now. They're stuck into your ears under the covers at night. Let's yes. go back to Doris. Stop, stop us waffling, Royfield. We were told we're unprofessional Listen, again. It, it was you. I, uh, I didn't. I didn't mention Radio Caroline. That was all you, Madame. Uh, Doris, so, you're going to have to. Oh, okay, go on. I want to talk about Doris's call because she talked about being touched by the arches and this sudden death. Mm. And as we said earlier, all the different ways of people grieving. It's been played mm. out beautifully. And I agree with Doris. They've done it really well. Uh, grief is a horrible thing. I never like to say that it was done well, as it were, but in a drama. But I think the, the arches writers are playing it out in from anger to frustration to everything. They're doing it really well. Thank you for that, Cranky Yankee. So you know what your homework is? You need to call in again next week and tell us how you fell in love with all things Ambridge because Madame Berto demands it of you. I'm demands nosy. It. I am nosy. Yeah. <laughs>
She's always got a beak in other people's business and she wants to put it into yours. All right, now, going from, from the Cranky Yankee, we go to Sentimental Carolyn. Bonjour, Jacqueline. Bonjour, Roy Field. Bonjour, tout le monde. Hello, everyone. This is Carolyn from Anglesey. Sorry, I've not called in for so long. I lost my dad at the end of 2021. So there's a little bit of me in this poem I wrote about Jennifer. Okay. Jennifer, don't cry for me. I'm still here. I'm still present in the smiles of Martha, in the eyes of Xander, in Phoebe's enthusiastic passions, in Nolotando's feisty spirit, in Sipo's determination. I'm making game pie for everyone up here. Joe is first in the queue. Nelson is second. Don't cry for me. I'm still here. I'm still present. Bye. Thank you. And yes, the it's funny, just as, a, as another echo. So just on Friday, I went to my uncle's cremation in Los Angeles and his son, James, has been, flew out from the UK. James basically grew up in the UK and has been here for two and a half months. And my uncle was there in James. Every every now and then, James would turn and smile. And uncle was still alive. James, his whole countenance is very much an academic, is a bookworm, is exactly the same as my uncle. So what Carolyn said is absolutely correct. And the memories and the memories as well. Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, and in those memories, and that's what we talked about, Brian, isn't it? When Brian went to home farm, but his going to home farm and his sitting on the bench and his arsiness when Adam turned up, he will only go when he's ready to go, and then all of a sudden, that's it. Now I'll go. <laughs> he was hmm. kind of being typ- <laughs> typically confused but determined in his views that needing to be there to relive those times with Jenny and the family, mm. family was small. So interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Carolyn, thank you for that, uh, that poem. Yeah. Yes, thank you for that touching poem. Now, it's your old mucker, it's your old pal. When's the last time you saw Andrea? Must have passed her in the street and waved a few times. I can't remember. I can't remember. Well, maybe it's about time you went down and invited her around for a cup of tea or something. Yeah, making that's a real what... habit of calling in now. She is Just now. Saying. She's really connecting with us and on the Facebook page. And I'm sorry, Andrea. Mm. Let's get together and have a cup of tea. We don't have a cafe. That's our problem here. Between the where we live, you'd think there'd be a cafe Go or a pub. around to yours. For a cup of tea. That would mean her travelling to me. And I was trying to see, think about somewhere in between. We used to see each other a lot when our kids both did climbing together. But how far away from you is she? (laughs) Sorry, about eight kilometres, I think, as a crow flies. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Come on now. That's a dog walk. That is a dog walk. (laughs) Yeah, and she's got a big dog. (laughs) Mine would drag me there. And she could ride her. Sort it out. Sort it out. Let's get together very soon. Thank you. Thank you. And here is Andrea. Hi, Jacqueline Royfield and all the lovely Dumpty Dummers all over the world. It's Andrea from beautiful central Brittany here in France. A couple of things this week. Firstly, 
going back a couple of weeks. I'm not surprised Rory didn't answer Alice's messages. She's an alcoholic and she deeply hurt him. Even assuming Julianne would have let him answer his phone, he might have assumed that Alice had started drinking again. So why would he want to speak to her or even listen to all her messages in full? And Jenny, darling, in the past, certain characters have had an augmented storyline just before their demise, like Nick and Kathy. And wasn't it just lovely to hear from her before she went off travelling again? And of course, the lovely Nigel, still annoyed it wasn't Helen who died back then. So I'm not going to say any more about that. But anyway, despite the suddenness of Angela Piper's departure from the show, it's just such a wonderful send off for the character to have such a big storyline in the aftermath. It's a terrible family fallout. There's drama, there's emotion, and I've been tearful and shouty. Can't wait to hear what's going to happen next with the Aldridges and everyone else there. And it is just a fabulous tribute, I think, and a wonderful thing for the character of Jenny Darling. Now I know, I remember why I like Andrea so much. I agree with everything she said. Don't sound to me like you like her, saying that it's just <laughs> impossible for you to meet her and you only lose eight kilometres. Let me just translate that for the Brits here. Are That's you just on a calculation? Just, oh, I, I can't know how to do the maths in kilometres. <laughs> five miles. Five miles. That's all it is. Yeah, it's hilly. It's hilly round here. I'm, I wasn't surprised that Rory didn't answer the calls from Alice. Anybody else? Yes. If Brian had called him, even if Adam had called him, mm. he would have answered, but not Alice. Alice was the worst person. So that was an affected story as far as I, I'm concerned. And yes, Jenny, we didn't hear anything from her for ages. Lots of people were saying, where is Jenny in all of this? All these. And then the, we know why. So yeah. A good way, a good end, as it were, to Angela Piper's career. But, uh, yeah, one of those funny emotional stories. I don't know, right, the way that Rory is so, I don't belong there, I need to get back to London. I don't know if Brian had called him numerous times whether he'd have picked up the phone. I don't know. Very obviously, we know that there is. this is the afters of Alice blowing up with yeah. him. So it feels much more fraught, their relationship, with her constantly trying to say sorry and trying to yeah, make Yeah, she's amends. been a bit in his face this week as well. Part of his mm-hmm. flouncing off after throwing the Cluedo board at everybody was the fact that Alice had been at him all week. Do this. What are you doing? What do you feel? You must look at this. You must read this. I think it was quite telling that he was wound up by... Alice and being with the family and the bickering and... But you know what, though? I don't think Alice can do wrong, uh, do right for doing wrong. No, no, Whatever she would have done, whatever she would have done, he'd have thrown it back in her face. Absolutely. Hey, hum. Talking about putting things right, Berto, you need to go over there and have a cup of tea. It's only five miles. All right. There aren't any mountains in Brittany, are there? Do you know... You want to look at the Mur de Bretagne. It's the wall of Brittany. Mur de Bretagne mm. is the hill. And that, that runs between your house Absolutely. and Andrea's. Absolutely. Andrea lives at one end of it and I live at the other. Look it up on the Tour de France website. It's a very famous ending of the Tour de one of the etapes of the Tour what de France. What I thought that the Tour de France ends in Paris. Yeah, but it's an etape each stage, we say, don't we? It, not etape. Mm. That's French. <laughs> Mixing languages here. Yeah. So, no. 
it's very a very famous ending to a Brittany stage is Mur de Bretagne, mm. and Andrea lives at the top of that hill, and I live at the bottom of it. So you're saying she can just roll down? Yeah, but I'd have to push her to back, wouldn't I, to go back? <laughs> <laughs> All right, Andrea. If she hasn't extended the hand of friendship via a cup of tea by next week, please back channel me. Please email oh, no. me. Don't count on me I'll this week. Words. I've got about five council meetings. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here I will have the go. busiest week of the year this next week. Last caller in, it's our Jen. Greetings, Royfield and Jacqueline. I was judged harsh for my opinion that <laughs> these girls would be better off anywhere but Ambridge. But I think the conversation this week between Pat and Lee really demonstrates that I'm right on that matter. It was bad enough that Pat did her usual thing and rather than considering the rights and wrongs, the merits of the situation, maybe speaking to Helen and supporting her that, yeah, it's going to be difficult having someone else's kids. Of course, you're concerned after Greg's girls, etc., etc. She just very quickly went, Helen doesn't want these girls here. I'm going to make sure that Lee jolly well knows that. Drags him off on his own, sits him down, tells him in no uncertain terms that Helen is not to be upset, and then plays the emotional blackmail of, yeah, and we all know what Henry's been through, and you wouldn't upset him, would you? Yeah, Henry's been through a lot. Uh, Henry does need some support. Why Henry therefore can't have two perfectly nice siblings and learn to live with other people and rub along like anyone else, I don't know. Are they custard fetishes? Do they like tuna bake obsessively? No idea why siblings would trigger Henry. He had a coercive controlling father, not psychopathic siblings. So anyway, Pat plays all her emotional blackmail and then Lee turns around and says, yeah, of course, would never do anything to upset Helen and Henry. And instead of saying the decent thing, which is, if they were upset, I would go and get my own place with the girls. He says, oh yeah, it's not happening. Basically, if Helen doesn't like it, it won't happen, Pat. So don't worry. And I will stand by Helen. I will not go after my girls, which I think is absolutely appalling. He's their father. The children should come first. Yes, Helen and her boys are important, but his own flesh and blood should be getting the priority here. Jen, <laughs> I vehemently agree with Swayze of that. And then I'm like, but that's not actually what was said, though, was it? It might have been kind of implied. Definitely implied, right? yeah. And But I do fundamentally agree. He needs to stand up for himself and actually for what's right for him being the father of his two daughters. Yeah. And we know that he's capable of living by himself because before he moved in with Helen, he was yeah. living by himself. Do completely lastly agree. The one little note and i would say without going back and listening exactly to what was said helen does know that she's been selfish she said as yeah. much to tony. she said to tony didn't she yeah yeah she said she said yeah but i doesn't mean that it's right no. but she does know that morally ethically she's up the creek without a paddle here she right? does but also i agree with jen in so many ways that lee has to Get to grips with what he wants, really, and what's best for his girls. And what's best for his girls is completely different, perhaps, to what he wants. Let alone if we ignore what Helen wants and what Pat thinks Helen wants. There's so many levels and so many layers of, to this whole subject. So it'll be interesting to see how things go. I don't think Helen's going to give in to having the girls. I think this whole half term when they're going off and doing various things together will be a disaster and we'll be able to see what Henry and Jack think of the situation. 
I'm sure Henry and Jack would just love having big sisters. They're going to be totally fine with it. What is a key consideration is actually how they're all going to fit into that small place. Is that, that a small that's, place? That, that, I always got the impression that it was. It's one of these new builds, isn't it? They're never build, spacious. It's, it's Kirsty's new build, isn't it? Kirsty and Philip Moss's new build. Yeah, exactly. So who's basically, so there's going to be what? Three bedrooms? Three bedrooms. Don't forget, Max. Uh, yeah, don't forget we've got Lee and his drum kit in one. Okay, so <laughs> let's say that, because it's never been said whether the boys share. Let's presume that they share, right? Yeah. So Lee's got his drum kit in one. The boys share, and then Helen and Lee are in another room, right? Yeah. So where would the girls actually? That is a key consideration. Yeah. The comfort so of living off, as a family, yeah. Yeah. First off, you say, okay, that this is what we want to happen. And then you work out the logistics. It seems to me that the logistics are incredibly important, which actually do, dare I say, kind of impinge on what will actually happen, i.e. they'd have to move. They would have to move. Yeah, and that's only renting. It doesn't. Yeah, but still, they need to move out. Unless they're going to put the girls in a yurt. No, but even at Christmas, when they must have, the girls must have stayed at Bridge Farm because there was the whole thing of a jumper under a messy girl. One of the messy girls left a jumper under the bed at Pat's and Tony's. Either way. Anyway, right. yeah. It's a story uh, that will I... roll out and we'll see the machinations between Tom. Tom. Oh, we haven't talked about Tom and Nasha. Natasha. Lee. Oh, Lee, Helen, the girls, and Tony and Pat doing their, pushing Mm -hmm. their tub and safety with him. Very quickly, is this going to be a storyline about dodginess with this, with this baby modeling agency? And then she spent up on the credit card again, just as she's weaned herself off all of that stuff. It's, she's going to find herself, you know. Yeah, I think I did see somebody on our Facebook page, on the Dumpty Dum Facebook mm-hmm. page, done a prediction which was absolutely over the top and wonderful about some kind of child slavery ring. <laughs> I might have dreamt that. I, can't, I, I, re, I did read it either last night or this morning early. But yeah, I think there's, oh, it's all a scam. It's all a scam. But I just hate the whole idea of it myself, Roy Field. I don't know why. No matter how beautiful your children are, oh, gosh. Just the whole... There is something slightly unsettling about having children that can't even speak as models. No. It just feels wrong. It does, it? yeah. It feels like exploitation. Yeah. Maybe we're too old-fashioned, you know, our old-fashioned look in the world, looking for the world. Mm. So. Don't get me wrong. If somebody says they want to do that, yeah. I'm not going to tell them no, but it just feels wrong no. to me. I Ooh, don't like the idea unseemly. of paying for a portfolio for kids that can look completely different in two and a half months' time. And do you have to pay eight, <laughs> 800 quid every two months to have them done? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, I just, uh. it just it doesn't appeal to me in any way whatsoever. Having said that, my Christopher, my boy, my son Christopher, once was a phot- photographic model for a friend who was a photographer. Ooh. Yeah, he was about 18 months at the time and very cute looking. And he stood there and he cried the whole way. And so all the photographs were, were crying. But I was a friend that was setting up her portfolio and she wanted a child in a park to take photographs of. And he so, hated uh, it. So you allowed your son to be a model 
but not for financial recompense. No, not at all. Not at all. It was actually a pain in the neck <laughs> because you just didn't stop. Yeah, no, it wasn't for, it was for to help a mate out, basically. So, and she's quite a successful photographer now. So <laughs> Christopher all set up. All off the back the, of your Christopher. Oh, maybe uh, 40 years later. No, it wasn't 30 years later. 25 years later. Yeah. Hey, ho. I think we need right. to move on. Yes, we do. Oh, let's go to our emailer in us, shall we? I think we've finished all the calls. We have calls all done. Over to you, madam. So the first message comes from Christine, also known as Gadget Girlie from Scotland. And she said, good afternoon, Royfield and Jacqueline and all dum-de-dummers. I hope this finds you well. What a day to be a Scotland rugby fan. This was obviously yesterday. I have been very moved by the reactions to Jenny's death. Everyone reacting in their own way with different needs depending on their relationship with Jenny. Like so many listeners, I fear for Rory, especially the way he's refusing to acknowledge his own grief for her. I'm also pleased that Lillian has found support from Linda. And I just wondered if in giving Lillian a haircut, might Chelsea end up working for Fabrice? And she was also very pleased to see Alison (laughs) Dowling on Casualty and Michael Cochran on Call the Midwife. They've had a busy week, those two. <laughs> Absolutely. We haven't heard of from, from Fabrice in a long time, have we? Or more to the point, people going to see Fabrice because he was never ne- a voice. No, he was yeah. never a voice, no. A voice. But he must be quite old by now anyway. Maybe mm. this is lining Chelsea up to be apprenticed there with him. You know who I do miss? Jean-Paul. Remember Jean-Paul? Oh, the, the chef, yeah. Yeah, the chef the, the, with the temper. Oh, yeah. He <laughs> did have a hell of a tempo in that kitchen. Yeah. But he had an old-fashioned kitchen. It was all updated, wasn't it, after? Absolutely. Very temperamental. Jean-Paul, those are the days. Those are the days. Yeah. Right, next email. Thank you for that, uh, Christine. Thank you, indeed, Christine. But no need to gloat. No need to gloat about the rugby. Good afternoon, Royfield, Jacqueline and all dumpty dummers. Hope you are all keeping well. It's Marie from Winchester, second time WhatsApp in and it's been quite a week with everyone reeling from the sad loss of Jennifer. It's a time of grief, sadness, anger, selflessness, despair to name but some of the emotions. There was also support shown by others. Justin showed himself in a new thoughtful light. Inviting Lillian's family was the last thing she wanted, but it did help in the end. The scene with Chelsea and Linda was also a show of love and friendship. Have a great week. Uh, And that's lots of love from Marie. Yes, and I agree with her. That whole scene with Chelsea and Linda was really great and they reeled Lillian in and it broke the ice with Lillian's kind of bitterness and crossness with everybody. Followed that on followed on by the visit from Mungo. Mungo the monster sounds horrendous. <laughs> but he has got parents have always sounded horrendous to me. So But it's interesting about Justin because I've never trusted Justin. I don't know about you. But he's shown himself in a different light. I still don't trust why he's volunteering for the shop. But the fact mm. that he decided he would play with Mungo to give everybody else a break was amazing. Listen, there's something going on with Justin. Could not agree with you more. Didn't see that one coming. And not only has he shown a lot of thoughtfulness to get Lillian's family around her, Mungo et al., yeah. And a feckless son. But then he's rolled up his sleeves and he's playing with the wee one. 
Yeah, brilliant. Very good. It'll be interesting to see how this rolls out this year. I think there's going to be a sea change in their relationship this year because of the changes in his attitude. All we need is a tiger. Oh, yeah. That'd be great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We like that. Or That's all it, it really should be. Yeah, it really should Hello, be. Hello, Puscat. Puscat. Yeah, exactly. Puscat. <laughs> <laughs> now, now, let's get on with this and hear what our Facebook posse have been talking about on the Dumpty Dum Facebook site with our fabulous Sue. Hello, my lovelies. Sue here, Queen Otter on the Twitters. Second helping of me this week here with the first week in February social media roundup. Just to whet your appetite as there's loads on there again this week. Philippa Verica posted about Nolly, a new drama with Helena Bonham Carter, which led to Leo Horstmeyer posting some lovely pictures of Cascon by in very glamorous 1960s coats and hats. Witherspoon said, Julianne, remember you're dealing with a 20-year-old, you need to set your expectations lower. And then Robin Williams asked what she does for a living. Pam Dulai suggested that she was an aerobics instructor. Pam Dulai suggested she was an aerobics instructor. According to Rory, the workouts were strenuous. But Sandra, Lillian and others came up with suggestions which all boiled down to something in finance or property. Kate Lyle asked if Julianne was a man and Rory a young woman, would people still be expecting understanding and empathy rather than a business deal? There was much discussion about his gender and boarding school and gender expectations, which is well worth going and having a look at the whole thread. Stephen Bowden posted up Charlotte Higgins in Saturday's Guardian column, which talked a lot about Jenny Darling's death. Robert Flood said, any character we invest our heart in will break it when they leave us empty. And Chris Murray said, it's like when the Queen died. Then Gilbert Watmore asked if I... Then Gilbert Watmore said, I had a muse after an episode this week, Mrs Chelsea Pargeter. Julia Pargeter Carmichael would be swimming in her gravy. I'm not sure that you didn't mean to type grave, but gravy just sounded very delightful. Darcy Jorgensen posted about Chelsea, Lillian and Linda and the hairdressing session. Be afraid, Fabrice. Be very afraid. Andrew Twelve said, I can't believe he's still going. Is he safe with a pair of scissors? I always assumed he was in his 50s when Peggy used to go to him many years ago. And Sally Owen rounded up by saying he needs to take Chelsea on as an apprentice and let her buy him out eventually. He must be getting on a bit. I'm very glad to see Carolyn Wright's normal Saturday replacement episode. It's a cracker this time, so go and have a read of that. And from the comments thread, I will just give you the one from Monica Strawson, which said, Brian, as a vision in pink, will stay in my head. Perfect as ever. So if you've not been to the Facebook page lately, come over and join in the chat. We love having new people come and join us every week. Lots more lovely people and established people are coming back. And we've put up lots of new members. So please remember, be kind to each other. We're all feeling the stress of the world right now. Stay safe, my lovelies. Until the next one. Thank you, Sue. And thank you, everybody who's posted their thoughts to the Dum De Dum Facebook group. Now, this week, Royfield, <gasps> we don't have 17 new listeners like we did last week, but we have 11 lovely new members. So let's wish a very warm Dum De Dum welcome to Hannah Thompson, Claire Shaw, Jilly Speed, Flavia Maria Sandalowski, Amy Price, Low Stapleford. Lorraine Meehan Tracy Romney Madeline Jane Suzanne Kinnersley 
and Malk Hyde. Do we have any reviews, Rife? We do. All right. So the first one is from woohoo, my Vicky Cole. Oh. I've been listening to this Archers theme podcast for many years through some changes of presenters, but they've all been lovely. I, like a lot of others, I suspect, is the only Archers lover in my family. And when something big and emotional happens in Ambridge, as it has done recently, it is very comforting to hear the thoughts, feelings and predictions of other listeners who call in or send messages. Current hosts Royfield and Jacqueline discuss the happenings in Ambridge. Sometimes it's hilarious, sometimes poignant, always wise. It's a must listen for me. And if you like The Archers, please give it a try. And that's from Vicky Cole. Oh, how lovely. Thank you very much for that, Vicky. I'm glad that we're sometimes hilarious and always wise. I like that. She's yeah. my Vicky Cole now as well. So the other review that we've had is from KJTP Nuts, and it's entitled Always a Great Listen, Dum De Dum. I've been listening to The Archers for many years, recently discovered this and another podcast to feed my obsession, and I thoroughly enjoy them, much to the amusement of family members. Just brilliant. There you go, folks. There's two reviews. We do need you to get on and to help us in the review hunt, review chase, because it means that we get more listeners for the podcast as we go up those podcast charts. But now it's just about the end of the show now, folks. We this is where the podcast was birthed from was Twitter. Twitter is very important to us. We always use the hashtag the archers with capital T and a capital A so that people who, who are visually impaired can follow along with our tweets. And you can follow us on Twitter where we are at Dumdy Dum Madame Berto. How can people follow you on Twitter? I am at Jberto Sanguen, S-T-G-U-E-N. And if we're talking about Twitter, it must be time for Tweet of the Week. Hello, Royfield, Jacqueline and Dumpty Dummers everywhere. It's Purple Pumpkin here with a selection of Tweets of the Week. And my thanks as ever to everyone who tags at Dumpty Dum to make sure we see all the best tweets. It's been a great week on Twitter. Perhaps everyone needs a bit of a break from the intensity. One theme has been lovely photos of baby twins in advertising poses. Do take a look, for example, at the one posted by Lord Edward at TommyTuck39 of twins in Heinz mustard and ketchup onesies. There's also a great thread started by Ian at Ruther Ian about why Rory doesn't like Cluedo anymore. He suggests that it's the novelty Ambridge edition that always has Helen in the living room with the knife. But CSI Ambridge points out that Helen was in the kitchen, while others suggest sometimes it's Pat in the pantry with soup, or Susan in the village shop with the vegetable chilli, or even the Reverend Franks in the lobby with a candlestick. I give the last word to let love win at all this and less, who says it was the illegitimate child with the brutal truth in the living room. Meanwhile, from a very strong field, here are my picks of the week's uh, medals for Tweets of the Week. In bronze position, it's Dame Victoria G. Esquire M. Phil failed at Ancient and Modern. For someone who was a living saint, Jenny didn't half produce some appalling children. In silver, it's regular Little Kim at Little Kim. We came so close to meeting a gill. But we got cop blocked. I had to say that one carefully. 
And in gold, James A. at Exeter Dormouse is channeling Oscar Wilde. To lose one mother, Mr. Donovan, may be regarded as misfortune. To lose two looks like carelessness. And to lose your sugar mummy too looks like poor business sense. Well, that's it for this week. See you all on Twitter next time. Thank you, Theo. And congratulations to everybody who got a gold, silver or bronze in the race to be tweet of the week. Now, if it's social media we're talking about, and we've basically done Facebook, we've done Twitter, the next one to talk about is Instagram. You can follow us on Instagram where we are at dum-de-dum, so please do follow us there. Indeed. Thanks as ever to all our contributors and to our social media supremos, Shambridge for her voices, and to our podcasting godmother, Lucy B. Freeman. <sighs> oh, there we go. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.